Stuart Holman here. Thanks for joining in our third daily devotional this week on the theme of Jesus' resurrection. In this series, we're sitting with the gospel text itself as we try to piece together the events of Jesus' first resurrection day, the day after the Sabbath. We know from John's gospel that Jesus met Mary early in the morning outside the tomb and then here in Luke 24 that Jesus walked to Emmaus with the two disciples and an interaction that likely went from about midday to late afternoon. Uh, in our passage today and from 1 Corinthians 15, we infer that sometime in the morning before setting out on the road to Emmaus, Jesus also met with Peter. So from Mary to Peter and then to Emmaus. Our attention in Luke 24 now centers on a meeting back in Jerusalem. The couple from Emmaus have hurried back the seven miles to Jerusalem, likely very late in the afternoon, to report what had happened to them, only to find that Jesus is also back there as well. We're reading from verse 33. They, that's the two disciples from Emmaus, got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. That's Peter. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. From the other Gospels, we know that the apostles and disciples are meeting in a secret locked room somewhere in Jerusalem. And so when Jesus arrives in their midst, who knows how he gets into the room in his resurrection body or what that even means, but Jesus arrives and he greets his followers with peace. And while that would have been a fairly standard greeting, in these circumstances, peace be with you takes on a whole new meaning. Peace, no need to be alarmed. Peace, all is now well, blessing is yours. Peace, peace from God, because you are now in a new relationship with God. Perhaps all of those above, or maybe more, but after this greeting of peace, attention turns to the immediate reaction of those gathered. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. As Jesus now meets with his followers in person, risen from the dead, there is an obvious shock, followed by verification. Yes, it really is Jesus in person. This is not a, a ghost or an hallucination. Doubts would naturally arise in the minds of the disciples. What's happening? Is this real? Is this the same Jesus we saw crucified, dead and buried? Jesus' response is to show his hands and his feet. See the markings of crucifixion. 
This is the same Jesus who was crucified. There is some kind of continuity with his body whereby they recognize him, whereby the marks of crucifixion remain. And yet his body is restored and whole. Not only does he walk to Emmaus, talk and interact, he also eats food as any natural human being would. So there is some kind of bodily continuity and identification. And yet there is some supernatural discontinuity whereby Jesus arrives unannounced in the midst of a locked room. How's it all work? I have no idea. Jesus doesn't bother explaining these things because they're not nearly as important as explaining the significance of his resurrection. The mechanics of resurrection are not revealed now. But the significance of Jesus' resurrection is, and it's paramount. Verse 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. In much the same way as he did with Cleopas and Mary earlier in the day, Jesus explains his death and resurrection as the fulfillment of all the prophecies and hopes of the Old Testament. All that God had been doing in and through his people Israel has now been focused in and concentrated on Jesus, who stands in for Israel where they could not stand for themselves, to work salvation for all who will believe. This pattern of a suffering Messiah King does not appear out of nowhere. Quite the opposite. God had this plan from eternity and had prepared Israel for its unveiling throughout the Old Testament. That three-part reference to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms is a reference to the three major divisions of the Jewish scriptures. The Psalms, standing at the head of the writings, which included all of the wisdom and poetic literature, such as Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and so forth. So the entire catalogue of scripture declared in many forms that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now, this much had already been declared on the road to Emmaus, but now there's a further development. The scriptures also declared that as a direct consequence of Jesus' death and resurrection, repentance for the forgiveness of sins must be preached. Here's where the gospel of Jesus' life, death and resurrection is now tied to an urgent call to repent. Repent from the sin of unbelief, Repent from the sins of ungodliness, arrogance, and self-sufficiency. Repent from the empty religiosity that pretended that more sacrifice, more law obedience, and more ritual would somehow get God back on side. Confessing this sin and turning back to God results in his forgiveness. Notice that this is not a message that the early church has made up. This is the message, this understanding of the cross and resurrection that comes directly from Jesus. He's the one 
who teaches the Christian to read the Old Testament through the lens of a suffering and rising Messiah. He's the one who calls people to repent and be forgiven. And in verses 48 and 49, he's the one who calls Christians to testify to what they've seen and heard. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus' disciples are now charged with a mission which is directly tied to their reception of a suffering and resurrected Messiah. Because they have seen their resurrected Lord, they now have a life-changing message. They must testify. They are like witnesses in a court case. They know the truth that must be shared, that must be declared, that is for all people to hear. Notice the concentric circles of testimony beginning at Jerusalem and then spreading out to all nations. We'll see more of this in the book of Acts. But already this mission is embedded in Jesus' resurrection day message. Jesus' verifiable risen presence is not merely to be marveled at. Jesus' resurrection means forgiveness of sins and it means a mission must follow. Disciples of Jesus are part of this, and their role is to testify. They are witnesses. They will tell what they know. Two questions arise for us to ponder today. First, what is it that we know of Jesus? What have we got to say? What message have we to share right where we are today? And second, with whom can we share this message? What opportunities do we have? If Jesus sees the fact of his resurrection, meaning both forgiveness and mission, if they're the way that he interprets his appearance on that first resurrection night, then we do well to review our own priorities. I'm going to pause now and invite you to consider how your priorities reflect Jesus' resurrection priorities. After that reflection, will you pray about any changes that you'd like to make in your priorities?